You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken. This show is designed to teach you techniques on how to build and preserve your wealth through prudent investment and financial planning strategies. I'm a certified financial planner, and so is my co-host, who is with me today, Ethan Broga. Hey, Ken. Good afternoon, Ethan. Good to be here. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Ethan and I uh, are partners in a registered investment advisory company called Empirical Wealth Management. Ethan, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what we do and how they can contact us and the, the various ways that we can help them out? Sure, that sounds good. I'd, I'd love to. And then we'll get on to our topic. I thought we would do a uh, market overview for 2011, kind of winners and losers, and uh, and then recap on a prudent investment strategy to take as we start the new year. All right. Maybe talk a little bit about that, forget about it. And then we talk about, uh, I thought we could talk a little bit about what the current topic in our quarterly communication is with dividend income producing stocks and uh, increasing yields in fixed income and some some uh, research-based framework on uh, and discussion back and forth on that. Well, I think that sounds pretty good. If there's enough time. I don't, I don't know if there'll be enough time. <laughs> right, right. I hear you. Okay, carry on. Yeah, well, to those listeners out there who are um, listening to the show today, um, first things first, we'd love to have you call in if you have a question or concern about uh, an investment or financial-related topic. Uh, you can reach us directly here online in the, uh, on the air right now, in fact, at 866-472-5790. And for those of you who don't like to use the phone, you can also email us at contact at empiradio.com. So we welcome your, your questions. Um, uh, we'd love to read it on the air if you're so inclined, that'd be great. And also, would be happy to pass along a free book, one of my favorite investment-related books as well. Oh, you know, I need to email uh, Larry Swetro back. He um, he touched base with me. He's written a new book, and he had said he would be willing to come on our program. He's one of our favorite authors. Yeah, um, I believe somewhere January 26th. So I, I, I will email him back as soon as this is over, Ethan. And We'll have him on. He can talk about his new book. Oh, that'd be great. Um, he's written 10 or 11 books now right. um, on investment, on investing. And those may be one of the books. Maybe we'll give out a copy of, of his new book. I, I need to read it still real quick here. Um, that'd be fantastic. So, yeah. Give us a call. Email us. Um, and uh, throughout the show, did you give out the live call number here? I did. Yeah. yeah. I'd really like to, uh, if we get some time here for the program to do a little more legwork in between shows um, yeah. get some good client or, or, or individual questions and a lot of these financial programs are just taking questions all day right and um, rather than talking about investment theory or planning stuff just answering questions that people have so we do our best to do that by proxy in that since we are real advisors we don't just play them on TV true we enough do, we do actually <laughs> get to uh Encounter a lot of the questions and and uh, and or witness how investors think and what their experience has been and right. um, we're collecting and and compiling our own book that I hope to be done with at the end of this year. It's my major New Year's resolution: the empirical approach to building wealth, or something uh, thereof. That will be some of that name. Um, and, I, and I thought in that book we would talk a lot about some of the big mistakes that investors can make, sure. how to avoid those, and a way of really framing things for yourself that takes the best of our own psychology. Um, and that's something I've been very fascinated with over the over the years is how we make decisions, you know, and how we know that it's very well documented that we don't always make the most prudent or rational decisions. So the way you can help yourself to make those, one is by having an advisor so they can hold you accountable to a written and a pre-agreed upon plan. And then two is to understand that psychology and build a framework that actually um, is conducive to getting you to, to make the best decisions 
rather than always trying to go against what we like to do. And so simple example, Ethan being, uh, if we like to separate our, our money in, into different goals and objectives and the way we treat it. So a lot of times that causes people to make the least optimal decisions in how they invest or allocate. My view is that, well, you can take that nature uh, that we all have and uh, structure a set of accounts that actually gets you the proper diversification and uh, but yet allows you to feel good about how you're separating that money among those goals and how you received it and all that kind of thing. Just a little example, a little sampler. So you, you're kind of saying that using our, 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 our own biases that we all have because we're all human beings, but use those biases to our, in our favor. That's kind of what you mean. Exactly. Start using them to your benefit rather than letting them go to your detriment right. and just throwing up your hands and saying, hey, I'm only human. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm a man, Ethan. I'm not a machine. Oh, I mean, despite a, what you see in the gym. Debatable, bro. Debatable. What you see in the gym is not reflective <laughs> <laughs> right. of uh, how we how we make decisions, sir. You know. Yeah. So, um, couple of couple little nuggets there. E nuggets. Well, that's pretty good. All right. Um, well, if you are out, a listener out there and, and enjoying the radio show today, and would like to contact us again, you can reach us at eight six six four seven two. Five seven nine zero, and um, if you're looking for some help, we also have, we also have a few different ways that that clients can work with us. Um, we are we are primarily in the business of providing ongoing advice when it comes to uh, investments and financial planning. So that we have obviously clients who retain our services throughout the year, and uh, and so that's one way to work with us. We also are available on an hourly basis if you um, just want maybe a second opinion on a particular aspect of your financial life or maybe a complete financial plan done for yourself to see where you're at relative to where you want to be, uh, we also offer that service at an hourly rate. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, by all means, feel free to give us a call uh, here at the yes, yes, by all means. the Empirical Headquarters in downtown Seattle at 206-923-3474 and feel free to ask for Ken or Ethan. Okay. Well, let's, uh, how much time do we have here, Simon? One at a time. We have two minutes. Uh-huh. Should we uh, should we start with a market update for the next couple minutes, or, or be easy enough? Sure. Something else. I have it right here, ready to go. All primed up. Here, all primed and ready. Yeah. Well, okay. If that's the case, uh, Ethan, let's 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 get into it. Okay. I'm gonna while you're while you're starting, I'm gonna hop on down, take us, lead you on down to the market exchange because I know you like that. I like the energy down there. Yeah, it's high energy, and I and and you like that. Maria Bataromo, I think she's still. I saw her still on the show on the, the other day. I didn't. wasn't sure if she was still around. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, hey, 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 forget about. It. I think it's her right there. Hey, hey, Maria. Look, I'm kind of busy, Maria, but uh, we should do lunch later. <laughs> yeah. So for the year uh, 2011, wasn't a, wasn't really a great year, sort of lackluster uh, for most asset classes, uh, especially those in the equity category. Um, however, there were a couple of bright spots. Primarily for those who own some. Primarily in your portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, well, okay, I, I, I'll get right to it. The uh, yeah, one the, minute. We might, we're probably going to have to come back. Go ahead, though. All right. Well, I won't speed it up. I'll just go with regular speed. Okay. Uh, the best best performing asset class for the year. Can any guesses what the best performing asset classes uh, was for Empirical. the year? Well, yes, that's true. But I mean, in terms oh. of performance for uh, a either bond or stock asset class. Well, I, I know the answer. So all right, you'll, I won't. I won't. I don't want to ruin it. All right, act like I know. Yeah. I'll just rub. I'll just rub right to it then. It's, okay. It was inflation protected securities. Yeah, um, it was up about fourteen and a half percent. Phenomenal. Year. That's amazing. That is pretty. That's amazing. That's bonds, basically. Yeah. Treasury inflation protected securities. So that's pretty exciting. Um, intermediate government bonds nine point four percent as well. So hold we'll, that thought, Ethan. All right. Brace yourselves. When we come back, we'll we'll sum it up. We'll be back, and uh, we'll be back. Thanks. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon Liu, portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. 
That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Alrighty then. We're back. Okay, Ethan. We were uh, we were down on the uh, exchange here, and we were gonna. You were going through the top uh, investment asset classes for 2011. Tips coming in, I believe you said, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, a whopping 14 plus percent. Correct. Which was the number one of the broad asset classes. We don't really get into narrow segments like individual country returns, or yeah. I mean, and we'll talk a little bit sure. about that today within our investment philosophy talk. All right, Chad. Uh, we think that you should try to embrace as much of of that as pos- of our philosophy as possible because it's not something we invented. It's the basis of uh, the best research around the world. So if that means anything to you, Ethan, yeah, it means something to me for sure. You're going to do your own thing. <laughs> huh? No, I'm doing what we're doing here. Okay, good. Hey, so uh, moving on here, we have the intermediate bonds did pretty well, nine percent. I think I said that. The best performing equity asset class uh-huh. was, uh, and this is going to be might be a shocker to, to some folks out there. A classic uh, shocker, right? It's real estate, REITs, real estate investment trusts. Um, you know, looking here on the DFA website, they have the broad asset class securities, and their real estate uh, securities portfolio was up eight point nine five percent for two thousand and eleven. So I, yeah, I'm curious. I wonder if, if is that the second highest for the year then? What do you was, mean? That, was, uh, was that the second, the REIT, was that the second highest of the broad asset classes, or was it the intermediate bonds? Yeah, intermediate bonds were, were next okay. at 9.5, 9.4. But okay. real estate was okay. close third, right? I, close second, I should say. Yeah, I see. Um, at, at almost 9%. And I'm curious about I wonder if, if listeners out there have some of these asset classes in their portfolios already. Investors? Yeah. Did they have them, more importantly, in January of last year, of, right. of 2011? They weren't the ones that... In recent shows here, Ethan, we've talked. We went pulled some stuff out of the vault, right? Yeah, and uh, it was almost uh, laughable, right? That the very <laughs> yes, it was individual laughable. stocks that these guys recommended. You can pull an archive of our show a couple of weeks ago if you yeah. want to hear this. But the the analysts uh, that were pulled, I think, it was the CNN Money poll, thirty some analysts. The stocks, which they culminate was their top ten or whatever, um, did did very. Very poorly, and the sector that they were in did very poorly last last year. Right, um, as a group, underperforming the general stock market. Yeah, but not one of them said, "Hey, what you should be doing is looking into REITs." 
or yeah, tips. or tips, right? Yeah. Or, none, none of that. So I'm curious too. Do 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 individual investors who are listening to the show right now? Do they even have those? Do they have those asset classes? Did they have them last year? I know we do. Yeah, I mean, and we did. We've had them for a long, long time, long time. And it, it just is surprising because people, I'm, the, the majority of folks I'd guess are, are are still fleeing from real estate of all sorts, you know, residential or REITs in terms of securities you can buy and, and, and trade on an exchange. Publicly tradable, right, right. right. But so I, I'm, so I'm, I'm a little surprised by the the outcome here. But I'm, you know, yeah. I, I have it in my portfolio. Well, I I know clear, uh, for a fact that uh, certain people. Because we had discussions about this, thought that the the REITs were um, were going to go down. Yeah, should be avoided. Um, yeah, that Basically. we were, but still we hadn't seen the worst. Now, who knows what's going to happen in the future? That's not the point. Right. right. The point was the last year. Um, if that's how you were positioning your portfolio, it was it was not correct. And we see this so frequently year after year that the asset classes that wind up doing the best. Uh, sometimes, hey, they are, they are, they are, the asset classes that got a lot of pocket press or whatever. But I would say the majority of the time, uh, the ones that do quite well are not are not publicized in advance. Right. That's what's so hard about this. Yep. And um, it may see, make it may appear as if it makes investing a very speculative speculative um, endeavor, but that's not true. It's um, you have to expand your time horizon and, and really embrace the nature of the market rather than try to outsmart it. Right. I write that down. That's quotable. Yeah. Simon, Someday I want to see that somewhere. Send me on our website. Don't fight the beast. <laughs> uh, Make it work for Harness you. its power. There you go. Go yeah. ahead. So moving on. Moving on. Okay. Uh, a couple of other things here. Um, there's some. Municipal, municipal bonds did pretty well as a group as well, but uh, we'll skip all that stuff and move down to the U.S. large company uh, portfolio here from DFA again, up about 2.1%. So that was a pretty good year for actually for being in equities. Um, so that's impeded pretty well this particular year. Yeah. Uh, global REITs up about the same, about 1.8%. So again, real estate near the top of at least in terms of positive asset classes for the year. Um, and then moving down into some negative categories here. Um, Yeah, looks like the small caps didn't do very well, at least in the U.S., about negative 3% or so. Uh, U.S. large value down about 3%. Microcap stocks are the smallest of the small stocks down 3% as well. Um, the real losers for the year in terms of the, the, the negative performance um, was yeah, U.S. small cap value down about 7.5% for the year. So that's not, not exciting. Um, commodities, at least for the one at DFA here, is down So wait a minute. Hit the, hit the brakes, Ethan. <laughs> Hit the hit the e brake on right. that luxury Camry of yours. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, it's, you said, it's a 2007. Forget about it. I don't know which luxuries. Hey, you're always uh, joy riding in that in that thing because you get such great gas mileage. Well, that is true, and I appreciate it. Um, you said U.S. small value. Yeah. Was the second worst or worst? Uh, it's a, well, not not the worst. Oh, it's, okay. It's down about seven and a half percent. So, but it, it's one of the what was one of the of the the domestic market. Yes, that's correct. Because last year, I went ahead and pulled up the data from 2010. You can't do that. U.S. small value was up uh, almost 31%, right. the DFA U.S. small value position. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic there, that if you were to invest based on what happened last year, you you would have got smacked around a little bit. Yeah. you know, and, uh, Frequently that happens with investing, right? The the short-term trend is not, it's not the long-term trend necessarily, right? And things tend to reverse themselves. So the worst will become the best, and the best will become the worst. Um, you just don't know exactly what what time frame there that's going to happen. That reversal will, have, will occur. Because last year the U.S. large company portfolio was up about fifteen percent. That's correct. Um, where that where that I guess said the value U.S. small value was, did double that. Right. Almost thirty one. So that's pretty interesting. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Just thought I'd kick that in. I'm monitoring the 2010 returns. You're going through this. Oh, I like that. How about the large cap international portfolio? Negative uh, 12% for the year. Yeah. So that's, uh, well, not great for international stockholders. Yeah, last year was up about 9.25. So it's positive last year. I yeah. see. Um, international value down, wow, a whopping 16%. Wow. That's that's pretty negative for the so year. So it was up to almost 11 last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, 
And then whenever we get into the emerging markets, which really are the, 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 the worst performing group of the year, um, the emerging markets portfolio down about 17%. Um, emerging markets value down 25% for the year. So uh, when last year, uh, or in 2010, the emerging markets um, were up in the in the mid-20%. Right. To low 20s. Yeah. So like just general emerging markets up almost 22%. Right. So that's a, an interesting shift as well. Agreed. Now, here again, I think at the beginning of the year, it would have been very difficult at the beginning of 2011 to predict that. Yes. Right? I'd agree with that statement. Um, does that, does that, did you, are you done with your handiwork there? Yes. Or? So a generally uh, globally diversified portfolio that includes all these in some proportion with a little bit of a, a weighting towards small and, and some value companies. The DFA has a um, a global equity portfolio. Do you have that there? Yeah, what, it was what, down seven. Uh, hey, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it earlier. Let me find it here again. I think it was down about 7.5% if I remember correctly. All right. Dig deep. Dig deep. Yeah. It's 7.4% to be precise. Okay. So that was the, the global equity portfolio. Um so obviously they had. So well, last year was up about nineteen point three five. Yeah. So it was down how much? Seven. Seven and okay. seven point so, four. So uh, not too shabby compared to hey, if you just had a, a all U.S. I think the S and P said large was down a little down a little bit. Uh, l- large uh, value was negative. S and P was positive. Positive. Two percent wound up being for the year. Yeah, at least for this fund. Okay. Um, yeah, that's still not too bad for for having a globally diversified portfolio and. Yeah. I think this, if if you're done with the update, yeah. Um, the only well, before we move on, the only other thing I want to point out because it's been something that you've been bringing up, which is uh, with the bonds, and we'll talk more about bonds here today. Okay. With the time we have, all right. Um, is interestingly enough, those those bond portfolios last year did substantially better than what their yields were at the beginning of the year, and if you look at tips, right? Yeah. If you took the actual Yield plus the actual inflation rate because they're adjusted. The return was much better than the combination of the yield you would have got plus the inflation rate. Right. Hey, forget about it. And that's because the uh, price of the bonds went up. People, people have been buying those tips. People have been buying them. Um, same thing with the with the governments. Yeah. So the point, the the important part there is that when you're dealing with the fixed income portion of your portfolio, is that you have to look at what the Realize that the total return in any single year will not be what the beginning of the year yield is. That's exactly right. Okay, and that can work good or bad, right? And so I'll I'll reserve, uh, I'll yield the balance of my time on that till later when we come back to what we're working on. Uh, But leading into our investment philosophy and the philosophy that we think that almost all individual investors should embrace. Let's talk about that. All right, let's do that. You want to talk about that? Sure, I think we should. All right, forget about it. Do you want to start? Well, I mean, there there are some some pillars. How much time do we have, Simon? Simone, is there enough time before break? Two minutes. I mean, a couple of things. I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, okay. um, There's a a a new year. You're you're reevaluating your situation. There are, in my view, a few cardinal rules in which you always follow. Cardinal rules, regardless of the market environment or your personal beliefs about the near future. Uh, Those are that you should be as diversified as possible among your stock portfolio and your bond portfolio. So that means to me that you own it's going to save you some dough. a number of asset classes, not just one in asset class, but as many as you can reasonably find uh, exposures to and build a, what is truly a globally diversified portfolio. Diversification really is your biggest friend here. Yeah. It, I've, we said this before. It acts as a free lunch, and the more of it you have, the better the meal is going to be, Right. Potentially, I think I'm, I'm not a big eater. <laughs> but in terms of diversification, it works like that. It's something that is a cardinal rule. It should never be. Um, you should never sacrifice diversification for anything else in your portfolio or and for I, any other reason. I think it's just a mistake that um, that gets made across um, the demographic or the wealth demographic here, where a lot of people accumulate their wealth. Those who wind up um, having some in retirement. Yeah. By concentrating and taking risks, so they're taking calculated risks um, and sometimes pretty heavy risks. So they they started a company, right, or they were 
um, an executive. They built, they work their way up the, the ladder at a particular company. Yeah. They wind up having a lot of stock and a lot of um, wealth tied up in that. And um, well, geez, the music's gone here. We'll come back. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll come back, and I'll, I'll make finish my point there. All right, bye. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network we spend 70 percent of our week in the office what is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it the number one motivator is a positive work environment and that's where real recognition radio comes in Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, uh, broadcasting live from the Empirical Tower in downtown Seattle. Actually, it's called the it. U.S. Bank City Center building. Um, we're talking today just a little bit about uh, our investment philosophy. We just, just ended the segment where we talk about the the uh, best and worst returning asset classes for the year, and then we're talking a little bit about our investment philosophy. And came before the break, um, I said something about diversification, and you were. Um, can expand on that a little, or something else? I forget. Yes, nice summary. Then I was saying that a lot of people build their wealth. Oh, that's right. Um, by taking risks, uh, and a lot of times it's concentrated risk, and a large part of that revolves around a single um, or very small handful of companies that they uh, get involved with, and it winds up tying up their wealth. And in order to, it's a great way for a lot of people, particularly in our country, with with a capitalist system that you have free markets and property rights and all the great entrepreneurial tools that you need to build wealth, uh, if you have the the gumption, yeah, um, it's a great way to do that. But that where I think a lot of them are tra- when when they transition to now I need to protect my wealth because I'm not going to be starting another company. I'm going to be retiring, yeah, um, or 
hey, I've built up this wealth and I've done phenomenally well and I'm, I've done it in spite of some of the odds and statistics. I need to diversify my passive investments, right? When I say passive, meaning, well, I'm not actively working and building this business. I've made this money. I need to put it somewhere um, or I'd like to put it somewhere so that it's actually earning me money while I'm sleeping. And they they take some of the risks that they were taking when they were younger and building up um, their companies and uh, and they don't diversify and they lose a lot of that that wealth that's a potential risk and so you're saying hey one of the things that really should apply in all situations is no matter what the strategy embrace diversification like like it's your your long lost child. Yeah, I mean, there are important life t- times in life when it is more critical than others, I suppose. But in my view, even if you're young and you want to grow wealth over time, you know, your your main occupation will provide you with the income that you're looking for, and normally you would be able to save some of that. The money that you're saving, in my view, unless you're like you say, you you have a, a unique opportunity to be involved in maybe a, a startup company or something. But there's obviously like, tons and tons of risk with that. You could lose a lot of money. Right. So if your investment time horizon is or isn't long enough to recoup those types of losses, then I still would advise being diversified. Yeah, I, I use the analogy of hitting it big in a casino yeah. or in a right. lottery and suddenly coming into a large portion of wealth. Now, the way you got that wealth, right, was you beat the odds. You beat the statistics. Yeah, you got lucky. Um, and you got lucky and you recognized that. That's good. Now, if you wanted to preserve it, if you were wise... You wouldn't put it all back, roll it all back into lottery tickets, or you wouldn't all go back to the, the casino right. and put it all on on the uh, you know on the on the blackjack table or on the roulette table. Yeah, because you'd realize, hey, in in this case, um, you know what I mean. The house has the odds. Right. I, I like to use that example. And with investing, if you do it right, there is a positive expected return. Where when when you're dealing with gambling, it's typically a negative expected return. Right. So the way that the people win in those in those gambling scenarios is because they are short term beating the the odds, but in the long term, the casino will win, and that's why they stay open and continue to thrive. Exactly. Even though they will lose to single individuals that come in occasionally and win large hands or win on the on whatever the right, right. the game is. Yep. Um, where where the investing is is an exchange of capital, right, for a expected rate of return in exchange. And if there isn't a positive expected return, the investing market would break down. Um, That's for sure. Yeah, it, it wouldn't work the same way as a casino does. Right. So, so one thing. I'm, I'm okay. Just on the diversification point, it, it, it is not yeah, difficult. Let's flog this horse. Not difficult to get diversification. Yeah. In, in most portfolios, aside from having money in your emergency fund, that sort of thing. But in, talk, talk about it in an investment portfolio. You can do reasonably well in terms of diversification by owning four asset classes. You have a, a short-term bond fund. You get the S and P 500, maybe a small cap index, and an international stock index. And you're that's you're that's, halfway there. It's reasonable. Yeah. Uh, anything less than that is not good enough, in my view. Like if you have just all the S&P, right? Or you have one stock in the S&P, even worse, right? Those, those are the minimum minimum level of diversification that's easily accessible for every investor out there. You Broad can, you, you exposure can get to equity markets and bond markets. Right, exactly. And not – unless you know why and what you're doing exactly, um, not over-concentrating in a particular right. sector and market. And the worst reason you could ever do that is because you read, read something – um, in a newsletter from one of the newsletter gurus from a guy like Fisher or whatever who's publishing these market updates all the time and peddling his market timing system or any of those guys. Um, I don't want to pick him out, but um, yeah, you watch Jim Cramer and he told you this: these are the stocks or the sectors to be right. in. And I don't care what their track records have been. The potential risks that they're exposing people to uh, is is not worth it. Agreed. Agreed. We agree on that. No doubt. Okay. So owning hundreds, if not thousands, of companies and in particular and stocks and own, and uh, bonds around the globe, to me, all this you know, I was reading an article earlier about. Well, does it still make sense to be an international? Right. Because we because it had a bad year last year, which to me, the author went on. This is on the Wall Street Journal to say, well, yeah, it, it does. 
but his case was for all the wrong reasons. And I see that a lot of times. They, they come to the r- right conclusion, but a lot of times for the wrong reasons. Hmm. That It's a wrong premise to talk about the timing in short intervals yeah. of, hey, if it did bad last year, the premise is wrong from the beginning to go, well, should I have it next year? Right? That's a that's a faulty premise from the start. Right. It's kind of like saying, well, last year I didn't, again, I didn't get in a, last year I didn't get in a car accident, so do you need your seatbelt this year? <laughs> that would be a ridiculous statement, right? That's a good one. Yeah, of course it is. Hey, forget about it, Simon. But uh, Simon's from New York. He knows what I'm talking about. Right. But, yeah, it, it's, that's not, the case should be right off the bat, hey, you shouldn't avoid international exposure simply because the last year was a difficult year in terms of returns. And, yes, the valuations historically are low in those areas. You have very high dividend rates right now in emerging markets, low P.E. ratios um, relative to historic high levels of yeah. price-to-earnings ratios in some of the international and emerging markets. Um, so those might be great reasons, but I, even then, I'm not. I, I have a particular weighting in my personal portfolio to emerging markets and to international um, that changes for reasons other than hey, last year didn't do so well. Right. So is it going to get? You know, are, are there, we're always going to have some problem, or we're going to be in some boom cycle? And you've said many times, Ethan, if I can quote you, is that you have to stay disciplined. Uh, in the rebalancing process. That's right. Irregardless or regardless of what, what we are, what the cycle is. Obviously, I agree with that. I said that. Yeah, I believe you've said that. Right. It's one of those things where, tell me this, when would you rather buy something? After Listen to me After now, it's on or sale or after it's gone up in price a ton? Yeah. So you should, if you, own, you should own international to some degree, and it should be, if you've owned it uh, steadily over the last year, now it's the time to rebalance toward that type of thing. Yeah, and so, I mean, one methodology would be to own a world index if you, again, weren't going to start to implement some of the more complicated things that we do. Right. Um, and by to. nature of that index, it's they tend to be capitalization-weighted, which just means that the size a particular country or segment of the market makes does have some bearing on the weighting that it, that it plays. And so there's a natural adjustment um, that goes on as certain areas do better and and when they go into difficult times, they they wind up being a little less of that particular um, index. But the rebalancing then says, hey, you're, you you ultimately will be buying um, things after they've gone down. You'll be rebalancing back towards those areas. Right. So, and I, one more rule with that, you know. Yeah. I, I, I often I'll quote myself real quick here again. Yes, quote yourself. <laughs> you don't you don't have to miss frenzy here. You don't have to miss the downturn to get the good long term average return. Yeah. Remember that. So you, you are able to rebalance and stick with it. As long as it's diversified, that's a good chance things will work out okay, given, enough, given that you have enough time, time horizon and so forth. So that was your one cardinal was the diversification. Did you list another one? Well, I yeah. had another one, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I want you to. Okay, my other cardinal rule. Let's do it. Let's would make be, some money here. <laughs> would be oh. make sure you have an allocation that reflects, I like what Larry says, you know, it reflects your willingness, need, and ability to take risk. So basically, an allocation means... You have, let's say you have three asset classes, stocks, bonds, and cash. You have an appropriate mix of those three major asset classes that is right for you. Yeah. So uh, you have your uh, your cash on the sidelines a little bit. Maybe it's your emergency fund. And then the rest of the things are allocated in a way that's appropriate, given your time frame and your risk, risk tolerance and the things that you want done with that uh, that portfolio. So let's explore something here for the first time live on, uh, while we're talking on the show. Um well, if if we got through tough times with the market and you have a particular allocation that you you said and you were you needed an expected return to uh-huh. get where you want to get, all right. Um, clearly, after you've seen the value of the portfolio decline or you've had below expected rates of return, you need a higher rate of return going forward. All other things being constant, yeah. Um, so, by nature of rebalancing, you would be taking some of your conservative assets off the table to reallocate them to those more aggressive assets. Yes. And you're saying, hey, is the, the cheaper they get, they tend to have a higher expected return in the future. Mm. Yep. You know, again, all, all things being held constant here in, in the in the investment world, if, if things just simply got cheaper, um, there would be a higher expected return going forward if you bought something cheaper than when you paid a lot a high valuation for it. Right. 
Um, so it, 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 what typically we see happen with cash flows of in, individual investors is as the market has declined, their appetite or tolerance for risk tends to decline or diminish as well. Right. And so therefore they, they've taken, they've already experienced some losses in their portfolio, but they tend to become, become conservative and have a lower expected future return at the very time they need a higher they, their, their need is for a higher expected return, not a lower expected return. Right. Well, on that thought, I guess we got to take another break here, Ethan. Okay. Take a breather. Get a, get yourself a diet soda. Yeah, we're right back. And uh, maybe some popcorn or something. We'll be right back. Okay. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Hi, right, welcome back to the show. Ethan, uh... You were uh, we were we were going through some of the the uh, things that that are inherent in our investment philosophy at Empirical that you believe every investor should embrace, and you were starting with some of the what you called the cardinal rules of investing that you really don't want to don't want to compromise on. I think you're you know you're raging like a tiger. That's right. That's correct. No, I agree with that. There are some uh, fundamental principles that literally every every investor should follow, um, and that doesn't change from person to person. So number one, you were saying was diversification. Number two is the uh, getting the right mix. You said uh, the uh, the uh, the right allocation, right allocation of stocks and bonds and other investment assets. And let me clarify that a little bit. Uh, I guess I, I mean clarify. clarify uh, you need the right balance, the right allocation among risky assets and non-risky assets. That's yeah. what I mean okay. by allocation. And the change to that allocation should really be mandated by your personal circumstances changing, not if I'm if I'm getting you right here, uh, not based on day-to-day market news headlines. That's correct. So if the market goes down, um, does your let's say right now, if if, by, in, if next month the market's down 10 percent, should that should that dictate? Hey, everything's changed in the world. We've got to. Now I've got to change my asset allocation. No, my, no, it shouldn't. I don't, I don't need to diversify anymore. Does that throw that right no. out the window? No, and the reason partly is is that, boy, once the market's already got down 10% or 20% or 50%, um, it's already happened. The, the news that caused it to go down has already been priced into the market. Right. So what happens next will be relative to what ha- is what happens to expect relative to expectations, basically. And the expectations, anyway, are already priced in. So if things are better than expected, the outcome will be, well, positive. Stocks will go up. If things are worse than expected, stocks will continue to go down. But the point is, at any given time, your chance of knowing that is only 50-50. So it's, it's a ridiculous way to invest a portfolio. It, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't guide um, the bigger picture uh, asset allocation decisions. Because right. you're, you're purely leaving everything purely to chance at all times, right. which is not a good investment strategy. 
Well, and, and logically, I think if, if investors actually thought it through what they were doing, there's, they're instinctively kind of curling up, right, to protect themselves. Right. And so they want to shy away from the risky assets during down when those assets are, aren't performing. But it, but it goes to the structure of the portfolio. If you're feeling that way, like if you feel like you have to sell and you act on that feeling, you have the wrong allocation. That's a sign. If you feel the need to make changes when you hit tough times, you you have the wrong allocation. You're heading for the hills. Right. And, and, and when stock markets decline, it's probably the worst time to make those allocation changes. That's the, that's the real kind of kicker, as it were. So if you're feeling like you've got to make changes after the market goes down 20%, for those assets invested in the market and or bond market – that's a sign to me that you have you need to change you have the wrong mix of investments to begin so with. to to add to that then one of my rules would would be first rules is you have to ignore ninety percent of what you read and hear and see out in the in the general news media yes yeah. I think that's also true yeah but how many people do you know do that uh, I don't know uh, hmm. I don't know anybody yeah it I mean it's it's very difficult. For, sure. for most people to do, but it should be one of the first things you, if you build an investment policy statement, and that, this is part of the value, right, of doing that process. Right. Um, matter of fact, now that you're bringing it up, I, I'd like to put that into an investment policy statement we put for clients. Hey, we are not going to let the media tell us where we should be investing because we've already gone with this whole vault idea right. over the results <laughs> that wind up you wind up getting. You're constantly buying things after they've done well, right? Um, and in more cases than not, you wind up losing money as a result of following these ridiculous articles. And the thing is, those the people in the media are there. It's, it's really entertainment purposes. It is not to be taken as investment advice, right? It's entertainment. Yeah, and that's fine if you like that sort of thing. That's no no problem to, to listen to it. But if it makes you make, if it makes you want to make changes to your portfolio because of something you hear. It's, it's, it's a sign that something's not, not right. Well, and I don't know how entertaining it is when the market's declining and they're showing pictures of people, you know, grabbing their hair and, and with making grimacing faces. I don't – personally, I don't find that extremely entertaining, but – You know what I mean. It sells. It sells. That's exactly right. It gets audience, right? Yeah. It captures, hey, i got to figure out what's going on. I mean, we're – market's down a lot, and, and the more sensational they can make it, more emotions they consider the likely are to stay on the page or to return there, or continue yep. to buy and figure out, you know, feel like you're, you have to figure out or be on top of what's going on. Or sell commercials, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. that's how they get paid. They yeah. love the market extremes. Yes. They don't like it when the market's just kind of doing its thing and there's no immediate news that they can grip onto to try to explain why the market went up or down. Although for a great deal of the market history, a lot of the moves are are not uh, revolving around some immediate piece of news, although most people probably wouldn't think that. Um, right. So anyway, I think that would be certainly one of my one of one of my rules would be to, to say, hey, I, I'm not going to let the news or my addiction to checking stock market quotes or or you know because that's part of that is just constantly having to check your portfolio every single day and then figure out, well, if it's down, why? What's going on in the news? And, um, we're not saying to be ignorant, but when we make the investment decisions, we're certainly cognizant of what's going on around us in the world. No question. But we certainly are very slow to make decisions based on one piece of news because likely, um, you know, as you mentioned, that news is already out and been repriced into the market. And the news, the way the market's pricing that news in from day to day is the speculative component of the stock and bond market in the long term, as Warren Buffett uh, has said, hey, it's a weighing machine. It's not a voting machine. In the long term, it is the true weight of earnings and and uh, earnings growth. And uh, if you're holding bonds and things like that, it's receiving those interest payments. Right. And, um, and it's the it's the very short term that's that people are using the market as a method of speculating where they're trying to outsmart investors over the long term. It's just that no one has a very good track record of doing that. And in the end, it is a, a zero-sum game. We can't all win, right? And we all can't lose. The sum of there are winners and losers, the sum of which get the market return, yeah. minus all the expenses that they go out to pursue their strategies. So the smartest investors, and that leads to another part of our philosophy, 
really want to embrace the market and harness its returns rather than trying to outsmart it. You have a little saying you like to put around that, anything I can't remember exactly what it is. Hmm. Hmm. Let's ponder for a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. I forget what clever saying I must have come up with that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, something is effective. Don't try to fight it or outsmart it, but um, really embrace embrace those returns. And right. Once you get into strategies that try to uh, deviate from, as you had mentioned, the diversification, hey, I'm, I'm not going to get sucked into this nonsense about this particular group of stocks is going to do better over the next year than some other group or this particular sector. Because, again, how many how many people were saying tips in 2011 will be the number one treasuries, which had a you know, zero to negative yield, right. will be the number one asset class for 2011. Yeah, or REITs, right, at 9% yeah. for the year. Um, very few people, right? If anything, sure. you'd probably be able to dig up more articles simply by looking at the previous year's returns and saying, hey, will small caps continue to do well, right? Right. Um, and all that kind of jazz. So, all right. All right. So the next thing on my list, can I? Can I oh, yeah, dive right in. Let's yeah. do a deep dive on this. So we talked about being, uh, being uh, diversified globally, um, properly allocated among all the major asset groups, cash, bond, stock. Um, you mentioned the uh, putting the media in its place type of thing, ignoring it if possible. And my 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 other thing would be would be disciplined about the first three things we just talked about. If you're disciplined about being diversified, you're disciplined about your allocation, and you're disciplined about not letting the media guide your investment choices. I think you're probably eighty percent there. If, yeah. you, if you could do those things as an individual investor, you're you're eighty percent taken care. Of. You'll do better than eighty percent of the most people investing in the stock market, in my view. Now to get to the hundred percent, you got to work with empirical probably, but yeah, eighty percent uh, at least is there. But if you're going to work with an empirical, you need to know you need to have your own principles that again are based in research, not nonsense, right? Um, or opinions, right? That you can hold your advisor accountable to when you're picking them. That's a good point. I appreciate that, bro. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, that's uh, that's a wrap for this week. Excellent. Another stellar show. Thanks to our uh, co-host Ethan Broga here. Coming Thanks a lot, Seattle. Uh, we'll have more exciting topics next week. All right. Again, have a great week. you've enjoyed empirical investing radio with ken smith and ethan broga please join us again next thursday afternoon at 5 p.m eastern time and 2 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel and for more information about empirical investing radio please call 800-923-4307 we'll see you next week